0: Pittsburgh. Break the
1: fm the the If there were a wall out there that said that you cannot talk hockey in late July on a talk show in the United States of America, meaning anywhere south of the border, we are breaking that wall down. <laughs> I'm Dan Kovachowicz of DK Pittsburgh Sports dot com filling in for Mark Madden and with your assistance we are pulling off not just hockey talk not forced hockey talk good stuff good stuff from the callers here and we're going to continue with that but first I'm going to tell you that this segment of the Mark Madden show is always sponsored by Matt Mertz plumbing count on a name you can trust Matt Mertz plumbing John in Sacramento wants to talk hockey let's do that how are you John
2: I'm all right, DK. How's it going? All right, man. Hey, uh, I actually had one quick comment about yesterday. I couldn't call in, man. Uh, the whole James Harrison thing. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's kind of similar to the whole Daniel Carcillo, the other guy was, talking about his trauma in the, the NHL. And I called it earlier. Uh, I think the guy from Columbus kind of mentioned it, too. But good message. The wrong messenger. Um, but uh, as far as my hockey question goes, um, I, I do think maybe. Uh with the Derek Grant signing and with Hooger, Cullen, Sard, and all that, do you think maybe GMJR is kind of stocking up or kind of like a worst case scenario because it's underproducing and you know not very uh you know, rotate them out?
1: Well, it's possible. Uh, it, it's possible. I appreciate the call, John. There, there's uh I'm glad you mentioned Teddy Bluger. Let's start with that, first of all, because uh, a conversation that I had with Jim Rutherford, this was about a month ago up in Cranberry, and I asked him basically to name one guy, one guy uh, in the minor leagues who would come up and make a difference that wouldn't be a sprung, that would be somebody else. Without hesitation, he mentioned Bluger. And his additional response to that was that Teddy Bluger is ready to be a fourth-line NHL center right now. So when we're mentioning Derek Grant coming over, it's not six centers, it's seven. So either either they're looking to add a skill set into their winger core, if that makes sense, on the left side. Because all these guys, by the way, all seven centers, incredibly, are left-handed. Either they're looking to make sure that they strengthen the left wing by adding a bunch of centers there and guys who can kill penalties, guys who have some versatility to their game, and moving Derek Brassard to the left wing, which is a thing that I would be completely in favor of. I, I, I just have no problem with that because what he showed me in his time with the Penguins, and you know, you always do pay attention to a guy more when he's with the team that you're covering or watching than when there was somebody else. But I saw the same thing from him when he was with Ottawa and the Rangers. Maybe he showed a little bit more grit than he did in these past playoffs. Certainly more jump. He didn't have the groin injury. But he stayed on the perimeter. He stayed on the edges. And he's a strong puck support guy. So maybe if you think about the Evgeny Malkin, Patrick Hornquist, and then Carl Hagelin on the left sideline that was so, so good through March. Remember that? Well, let's just say Broussard can't keep up with Haggy in a race. Nobody can, but he is fast, and he's much more skilled than Hagelin. So maybe you're thinking of, here, we can put somebody else over there with Gino, in particular, because you know they're not splitting up Sid and Jake. That'd be crazy. What you have is a situation where now you're just basically getting a higher level of Hagelin, if you will. Okay, It's, it's Hagelin plus. And if you pull that off, now the thing starts to make a little bit more sense. Let's go to Tom Cat in Mount Lebanon. Tom, you're on 105.9 EX. You got something on the Pirates?
3: Hey, Dayon, Yeah. Sorry, I called in uh, before the hockey talk. But um, so I have a scenario where I believe the Pirates could contend within the next season um, and contend without raising payroll. Um, and I believe it's realistic. What I would do, I believe that Newman and Kramer would either provide the exact same performance, or maybe a slight upgrade over in the middle in the middle, over the middle infielders Mercer and Harrison.
1: Oh, um, don't do that, Tom. You had me right up until that. We just don't know, <laughs> man. There's such a chasm between AAA and the majors. And Kevin, New- you know these guys, Newman and Kramer, and these guys are nobody's Top elite prospects at the shortstop position. I know they've had a nice run. I know. I mean, I think Kramer just had a five hit game uh, the other night for Indianapolis. I mean, I know these guys are doing well and everything, but we just don't know. You know? Do
3: you agree though that they're going to trade or try to trade Mercer and Harrison and Freeze will not be on the roster next year, which is going to cut about twenty. 20- Five million, almost. Well, you heard, if you payroll. heard what
1: Lance Lysowski said from Cincinnati here in the in the, in the previous segment, he sounds almost certain that Jordy Mercer is going to get traded because Jordy Mercer is the one guy who's an unrestricted free agent after this season. Um, so
3: you'd be talking about then like actual payroll for next year, even factoring in. I did the math on it, factoring in raises for Polanco and Marte and Vasquez and arbitration and all that stuff. That would be like fifty-five million dollars. Okay, well, and hang I on. Know, None of
1: the three guys you just mentioned are getting raises. They're all signed. They're, they're all existing contracts. But, but there's no I arbitration for that, any of those three. They all have long-term deals.
3: Okay, well, if they have fifty-five million on the books for next year, not even Bob Nunnick can justify. Sure, that he that can. Kind of pay Wait,
1: is- whoa, 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 Hang on. Where when have you seen shame in this equation? Like ever.
3: Fifty-five million is, there would be, you know how there's grievances now? No, there are no, there, there's they
1: nothing they good, can yeah. do because these guys play the game with Major League Baseball. They have Rob Manford, who works with Frank Coonley when Coonley was in the commissioner's office. They were like right at the same level, Okay. They're completely, completely on the same page with all this stuff. Manfred already went to bat for the pirates with the initial grievance. He's gonna do it again. It won't matter. Milwaukee went down to fifty seven million two years ago, and everybody was like, Yeah, whatever, they'll just bounce back up. And they did because they have trustworthy ownership in Mark Atanasio and his group. This one doesn't. And it won't hey, matter.
3: You know, let me ask you an honest question, then. I guess because you know it's a non starter. Do you actually believe that the Pirates would begin a season with a payroll south of sixty million? Yes, Honestly. of
1: course they will. There's no, dude, dude. They gave Juan Nicasio away to save one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I mean, this is not a normal franchise here that we're talking about. I mean, we can't. We have got to stop talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates as if they are some conventional sports franchise. Uh, on that note, let's swing back to hockey here with Mike in Moon. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Mike. Hey, Deja, How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for hanging on.
0: Very much enjoying on your site of uh, Best Penguins to Ever Wear the Number.
1: You can credit Taylor Haas for that. That's her idea. It was really, really good stuff. It's been really well received by the readers. I got to tell you though, some of these picking, for those who don't know, we're picking the player who wore a certain uniform number the best in the Penguins franchise history. And you saw what the battle that we had with number 11. I mean, you're picking between Jordan Stahl and Darius Kasparaitis. Wait till we get to 55. I, I don't think we've st- I don't think we've even stopped fighting about that one yet.:
0: Well, what I can't help but um, mention is um, I happened to be at the syllapses first game, and the color that was um, added to the you know the syllapse synopsis was amazing because the goal that he scored the first night he was in a penguin uniform. Was one of the most amazing goals ever in the Civic Arena. And um, I happened to be there, and it was described perfectly on yeah, your site.
1: It's apps's entry, of course, was today's, but I'm going to ask you, as long as I have you on the line, pick a 55. Good luck.
0: Uh, well, how about Kevin Stevens? Well, uh, Kevin
1: Stevens over Randy Carlisle was, I mean, Randy Carlisle's the only Norris Trophy winner. Stick with 55. Who's your 55? Larry Murphy or Sergey Gonchar? Oh,
0: uh-huh. well, i got to go with Gonchar. Well, no
1: they're both uh-huh and as the conversations that we had where we would say oh it's got to be this guy. no hang on a second i i we you know 11 was just as hard for us and we ended up with jordan stall over casparitis it was no picnic i appreciate the call we have to take a break when we come back we're going to take more of your hockey calls and then at the bottom of the hour we're going to be joined by veteran beat writer dale lawley to talk about the steelers the number to call with your hockey talk here is 412-333-9939. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com, filling in for Mark Madden on 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden.
3: Hey, uh, Mark, second time. Oh, I love the show. I'd like to talk to Mark about Mark Andre Furry. Pay attention, dumb skull, and talk. The X at
1: 105.9. Not in any way, shape, or form filling in for Mark Madden. Just kind of... Sitting here and talking for three hours. Nobody ever tries to replace him. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. You're listening to 105.9 The X, and you're also listening to something of a like a test tube project today. We're trying to see if we can get away with an entire show, with exception of a couple of guest segments, of Hockey Talk in late July. It requires your assistance, though. At four one two we're talking mostly about the Penguins now having seven centers, and yes, that's seven if you count both Derek Grant, who was signed yesterday from Anaheim, but also don't forget about Teddy Bluger, who Jim Rutherford told me a month ago, is ready right now to be a fourth-line NHL center. Where do you put all these guys? What do you do with the guys who were already there? Four, one, two, three, 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 nine nine, three, nine, Larry, right here in Greentree, has some thoughts on that, Hi, Larry,
4: yeah, I have a couple of different things. let's here. hear it, uh, Larry number one, i mean i I don't think Sullivan likes Sprong whatsoever, and I do not think he will crack that first line
1: or second line i I
4: don't see that happening
1: because- um, the, because he doesn't like him personally.
4: Yeah, I just don't think he—he's like, not a two-way player, and I just don't. Well, think... Well, he's that not, but that—that doesn't
1: mean you don't right. like him. Okay, I, I, I know what you're saying.
4: That's now. what I mean. Yeah, I don't think he wants him and Kessel, and have too many of those type of players. But, um, I, I'm all for moving Broussard to the wing, um, and and, and this way you you can you, you got enough centers there, but still, even still. Let me ask you this question: Would you would you trade? Well, I don't know if Montreal would do it because it's a rental for a rental, and you know what I'm going to say, uh, Pachurata uh, for uh,
1: for Broussard. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I mean, first of all, let me. I, I always feel obligated to clarify that this is completely hypothetical. There's actually been no report anywhere, including right. anything on our site, that, right? That, and there's been nothing there that that suggests that. Uh, the the Pittsburgh and Montreal have had any connection here. Right, however, I'm just having fun. However, I will say that I I don't like the idea of moving Broussard because the reason that you got him and not because of any regrets over the price or anything. Mm-hmm. The reason that you got him is so that you could have center depth if Sid and or Gino right. goes down. So you right, don't ju- you don't just or first you line. don't just throw that down you don't just you don't just throw that out.
4: Yeah, that I mean that's a, that's a good that's a great point because he can move up to the
1: second line or the first line. Right, exactly. So from right. there so from there what you're doing is is you're basically taking uh you're looking at the rest of these forwards and trying to see where Sprong fits in, and which is a lot of people are going to be doing and I appreciate the call. In Sprong's case, I'll tell you this. Sometimes these things just slip out. Sometimes they don't mean anything. But Rutherford has used the terminology that he wants to see sprung nine. No, let me rephrase that. that sprung has to be in the top nine or else he isn't playing. So don't look at fourth-line additions like a Derek Grant or whoever and think that, that affects him. Sprung has to earn, through his performance, a spot On the top three lines at 5-on-5, I don't see any chance that he'll be on the top two lines. I mean, just look at who's up there. No chance. But on the third line, on a third line that can be manufactured, that let's say it has a couple other defensive guys on it. The the one that I've come up with most often is to have him with uh, Riley Sheehan and Brian Rust. And you have Sprong on the right side. You have a couple of guys who are defensively responsible. It's not ideal. Rust's on his off wing on the defensive boards, which you don't necessarily like. But at least it's something, it's a situation where you can put him out there and hope that Sprong can raise his level of two-way play. Four one two three 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 nine nine three nine is the number to call. Jameson in Moon, you're on 105.9 The X. Hey, what's up, DK? How you doing? Hi, Jameson. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm,
0: I, am I, Pat Shreddy is an awesome player and I would love to see him in a Penn's uniform, but I, the whole point of getting Broussard is to go back to the free center formula that has been so successful. Oh, nine, he had Stahl, Malkin and Crosby, and then Benino who raised his level of play gave you Well, along with having Kessel on his line, gave you three lines as well. I want Broussard at center. I don't even think that he's ever even played wing. I, I'm not, I'm sure he could, Riley Shehan actually showed me a little bit. He could probably play wing last year, and I think that Sullivan wants to get Shehan involved more. I think that playing him on the fourth line uh, does us a disservice. If, if we're going to move anybody to wing, I'd like to see Shehan get a crack at playing left yeah, wing. Yeah, I mean, with, Riley's, with problem,
1: Riley's problem, and he has a lot of virtues as a player, but his problem, and, and I can tell you that the Penguins see this the same way, he doesn't go to the net. And when he's playing his conventional style, in the middle, that actually kind of works okay for him because he'll work around the perimeter and he'll make plays and he'll set up wingers. He's a better passer than I think a lot of people will realize. But he's not going to the net, and it's tough to have wingers that don't go to the net. Uh, I think you're going to see this decision made primarily based on, as it should be, what's best for Sid, what's best for Gino. That's That, to me, is where you start. It's not what's best for Brassard and what's the best thing that you can get out of Shan. So, if you go back to what I was saying earlier in this hour, uh, if you were tuning in, it was that if Brassard is the left winger with Malkin and Hornquist, you're basically just upgrading the hands and the skill level on Hagelin. Not as much speed, certainly not the same chemistry. I mean, Hagelin and... These guys really clicked. Do you remember that February and March? Oh,
0: absolutely! Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so I'm not even saying this with any joy. Okay, believe me, I I I, I'd love to see those guys back together, but you have the situation that you have. I I think it's going to be first and foremost that Mike Sullivan, and this actually is in his domain. This isn't something that Rutherford sits in the office with him and they talk about line combinations. Sullivan is going to do what's right by Sid and what's right by Gino, and then to a lesser extent, what's right by Phil. So I think what, Go ahead.
0: Well, I think what scares me the most, and I know that Double M has talked about this, but I am very scared as a Pens fan that Crosby is going to try to, and Sullivan are going to try to experiment with Dominic Simone in the top six, and I think that is a, a worst-case scenario for this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, the regular host of this program, and I don't share that view, <laughs> so, if you've heard from some of our segments in recent weeks, uh, his view is that Sid uh, wants Simone badly to be up there, and that and that Simone is, you know, that Sid will basically just kind of make that happen. I, I'm a, I'm skeptical of that aspect of it. I don't. Sid is not going to make a demand uh, with Sullivan, but I'll also say that I think. From talking to both Sid and to Derek Broussard on this topic, since they've both played with Simon on their left side, they love having him there. And again, it's not stuff that necessarily that we see in, in a casual viewing of He's the game. He's and a he player. Yeah, and what he, what's frustrating about him is he doesn't finish. So you see him getting chances, and you think, this is stupid, because all he'll do is shoot it right into the goalie's logo. Okay? And you go, what is this all about? What are they doing this for? If that was somebody else, somebody else would have scored. Uh, Daniel Strong. Yeah, however... Daniel Sprong wouldn't have done the ten other things right for the play to get to that point. You see what I'm saying? So I'm the, a
0: Sprong guy. I think that if Sprong gets a true chance to play with a guy like Crosby or Malkin, he's—I mean—is he's, the goals are going to come? And he's—they
1: will in the last ten percent of the sequence, okay? But there is a skill set that's involved in getting the play to that point, okay? There's—I mean. You can have the world's greatest striker in soccer and it doesn't matter if you don't have the Brazilian 20 dribbles to get it up the field, okay? In hockey it all happens a whole lot faster, but it's the same concept. And one thing that Simon is really, really good at is that part of it. You know, that that that's the part that has to be understood here is that these guys are all, including Dominic Simon, who will be playing. I don't think he's going to be a scratch in this scenario. They all have to fit, first and foremost, with Sid, Gino, and then again, to a lesser extent, Phil. Now, maybe after all this hullabaloo, Sullivan will be open-minded and have Phil and Gino together and have Phil, whatever, on the left side, right side. I don't know how that's going to go. But I do know that they have loaded up on centers with the apparent, and I underscore apparent, intention of just having doubly skilled left-wingers slash penalty killers. The one reason, and this is the only reason that I think a trade could result from all this, is that they're very, very close to the cap. I believe it's less than a million dollars. And in that in that case right there, Rutherford's not comfortable because he does like to have the flexibility to make moves, if needed, closer to to the deadline. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dale Lawley, veteran, Steelers beat reporter for DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm Dan Kovacevic, filling in for Mark Madden here on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden.
3: Double M, what's up? Super genius, how are you? Terrific. Nope, they never have sex unless it's on video. The X at 105.9. Filling
1: in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com here on 105.9 The X. And I want to thank, first of all, everybody for participating in our really weird all-hockey show in late July. It somehow worked. We're going to close today's program with some Steelers talk and veteran beat writer Dale Lawley. Hi, Dale. What's up, Dan? Oh, not much. We're we're getting ready for training camp next week, right? That's how it works?
2: Yeah, so am I. I, uh, you know... I just got done installing a, a dishwasher that I was not supposed to install. Uh-oh. It was supposed to be installed for me, um, but that's the you know the things that you do before you go to training. yeah. Every, you, you try get to get, to get, get, get everything kind of
1: else out. everything else out of the way. Uh, let's start with uh, the the hot topic as it relates to the Steelers, and that's of course James Harrison's remarks uh, related to Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick and everything else here. And we've been over James. James is James. He's about himself. But at the same time, uh, is there any validity to the concept that Mike Tomlin needs to be better with discipline? Forget comparing him to Belichick, or forget the context that Harrison should be the last guy talking about it.
3: Well, yeah,
2: I mean, they can always be better. I mean, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you should try to get better than what you, you know have been doing. And the Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl last year. They, didn't, you know, they haven't won one with Mike Tomlin since 2008. So obviously you know, there are things that he can do better. Uh, that said, um, who would you rather have? What give me? You know, people say, "Oh, Mike Tomlin's not a top ten coach, not a top fifteen coach." All right, name me some names of guys you'd rather have, and I'll poke holes in, in those guys all day long.
1: Right? Because you
2: can do it with everybody, and you can even, you know, Belichick makes mistakes. They all do.
1: No, 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 Dale. Actually, yeah. Bel- Belichick has never made a mistake.
2: I disagree completely. but
1: that's... Uh, He's he's never made one, <laughs> and he's never had a, any discipline issues other than having a convicted murderer on his roster and a known uh, party animal who has missed tons of games at his other tight end position over the same years. Other than that, no discipline issues. No,
2: never. Um, it's it just, you know, if you win, what you're doing is right. If you don't win, then, then you're open to criticism, and Mike Tallman knows that. Uh, he'll be the first to tell you that he you know, he didn't do a good enough job last year. He's not going to run away from it. I mean, it, you know, he wants to win every year. That's the thing about the Steelers. You know, some teams say they want to win every year. The Steelers really believe every year that they have, they have a shot to win the Super Bowl. And they act on it,
1: too. I mean, look at what they did in the preseason yeah. with the Vance McDonald trades with Joe Hayden. I mean, that was a team that was, you know. It's funny how the only people in town who rolled their eyes at the concept of the Steelers, quote unquote, going for it, were the Steelers themselves, right? Right.
2: Yeah. It, it just it, they want to. They do. They they try to win. They're they're going for it every year. They really are. I mean, there has not been. I mean, this is this is going to be year twenty six for me, and I've seen them miss the playoffs uh, just a handful of times. I've only seen three losing seasons.
1: That's incredible. Think about that. Yeah.
2: I mean, there's just it doesn't happen in sports.
1: It's like the inverse uh, anyway. of the Pirates. If the Pirates really, were inverse, really to borrow is. a Neil Huntington line,
2: <laughs> yeah, it really is. And and you know, and, and Kevin Colbert will tell you, you know, hey, the, the the one time that they've had a losing record with him as the GM, um, you know, they got lucky and Ben Roethlisberger fell into their lap.
1: Right. But thanks, they, thanks you know, in large part to Mister Rooney. Right.
2: Yeah, but that wasn't the you know that wasn't the plan to, to be picking 11th. They would they would have much rather been picking you know 32nd like they would rather do that every year. That's what they want to do.
1: Well, how, where does where does the discipline rank? I mean, for you'd think that as much as it gets discussed that it's like number 1 with a bullet on their list of problems or issues.
2: I don't I don't see it as a big problem. I think it gets more attention for the Steelers because they have some star players. If, you know, if it's pick somebody uh, and I'm just gonna okay. I'm, I'm I'm gonna say Vince Williams. Okay. If if Vince Williams does some of the things that Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell have done, does anybody pay attention to it nationally?
1: I w- I would say it's it's unlikely. I mean, it, playing devil's might, advocate here with national, you, yeah. that I would I would throw out that you know I think some people didn't appreciate Mike Mitchell jumping up and celebrating a tackle that was made 27 yards downfield.
2: Well, and that's all well and good. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I'm just throwing a, that in. You
1: know,
2: there's always people who who question us. And, you know, it's the same people. So you should flip them the ball when you score a touchdown, and you know, don't have any fun out there. Or, you know,
3: whatever. Okay. Well, uh, it's the same it's, people you know, it's that true.
1: forget that Lynn so- Lynn Swan and John Stallworth were the first to have a coordinated.
3: Yeah, they celebrated celebrated the
1: in the end zone, right? And, they, and they, they they did, but that Chuck that just Null, get yeah that yeah. just gotten buried.
2: Chucknell overlooked it. I, who knows. Um, but it happens. It happens in, with every team. Uh, you know Gronkowski celebrates. Does Belichick go nuts? Tom Brady celebrates. Does Belichick go nuts? No. You let them be. Let them be who they are. Um, now, can you can you make the can you make it so the team is more structured? Players love structure.
1: Yes, football. Especially. NFL, yeah. Yep.
2: In every NFL player, or every NFL team has structure. But Mike Tomlin allows individuality within that structure. Um, if you saw the story that came out over the, over the winter, it was actually in the spring this year, uh, there was a former Patriots player complaining that none of the players have any fun in New
1: England. Oh, yeah. I mean, Danny Amendola just said basically the same thing in, in yeah. an interview this past week.
2: They have no fun whatsoever in New England. Now the fans will say, well, so what? They're getting paid a lot of money. And therefore, you know, and they're winning. So what they're doing is working. Well, that's all. That's great. But you know, I think at some point you should enjoy your job, especially if you're playing a game.
1: Turning our I mean, attention <laughs> to—I'm to, sorry. To turning our attention. I'm trying to change the subject so badly. I'm sorry that I even brought it right. up. It's become such a ridiculous thing. Uh, turning our attention to actual stuff that'll actually happen at training camp. Where is the the level of pressure on James Connor or does it even exist going into this camp?
2: Um, I don't know that there's any real pressure uh, it, it honestly it doesn't matter drastically what he does in this camp in terms of what he do, how much he plays this year
3: mm-hmm. right now
2: he needs to stay healthy. there's pressure on him to stay healthy because you know, obviously now you're looking at next year and saying, Okay, is he the is he the feature back of next year? I don't think that he is, even if he does stay healthy, but he's he's rededicated himself to uh to, to sculpting his body is uh, I talked to him uh, you know a month and a half ago at, at uh, before minicamp and and you know, he told me he had lost, you know, a bunch of weight. He's he's obviously leaner, uh he looks quicker. Um uh, but we've seen other guys, you know, remake their bodies. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's, you know, it's always interesting when these guys try to tweak what they have. Uh, some and again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. When Martavis Bryant came back from his suspension, everybody noted, "Oh boy, he looks really, uh, you know, he's really thick. Uh, he's really gotten stronger."
1: It didn't help. Um, no, it didn't make not no for, for what he was doing. Better. The Same thing with when Jarvis Jones tried to bulk up, and it just went nowhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know? so some guys, some guys gain weight and it doesn't help them. Some guys lose weight and, and it doesn't help them. Uh, you have to find that happy medium. For James Conner, it's not about whether he's quicker or whether he's stronger. It's about whether he can be available. And that's the biggest thing for him. Um, it seemed like every time he got five carries last year, he was limping off the field with something. And, you know, he, he, he's, he's his biggest critic. He knows that he has to stay on the football
1: field. Yeah, that's um, that's that's going to sure. be his biggest issue you for know. sure.
2: Yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest thing that coaches will tell you about a player uh, is the most important thing is availability, and if you're not available, you're no good. I don't, it doesn't matter who you are.
1: When you look at this rookie class, and this is something that you wrote about for our site, that's actually at the top of our site uh, all day today. Uh, is there one? Guy, not so much long-term, because it wouldn't be fair to say, well, what, you know, who's going to have the biggest impact over the long-term? You're almost always looking at the quarterback in that case, which would be Mason Rudolph, obviously. But who's the guy that could maybe be the biggest immediate impact because of position availability or need? I mean, is it Terrell Edmonds?
2: I, I would probably say it's James Washington. Hmm. He's, going to get, he's going to get the biggest opportunity.
1: Ahead of Eli Rogers.
2: The, the number three receiver is, you know, the number three receiver.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and, and, you know, they, they drafted this guy in the second round. They they obviously like him. Uh, he he can play outside, and that's going to be a big thing because you can move, move either Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster to the inside. And, and you know, the, the chances, the opportunities are going to be there. Nobody thought Juju Smith-Schuster was going to get many opportunities last year. All he did was, you know, put up over 900 yards. Um, so, in this offense, um, you know, you you look at it, you know Antonio Brown's going to get his passes. You know that, that Le'Veon Bell's going to get his share of passes. Between those two guys, you're looking at 200 catches. But that still is going to leave, you know, another, what, 150 to 200 catches that have to go somewhere. Uh no, I happen to think that Vance McDonald's going to be a big part of that. But, uh, you know, I think that, that if James Washington catches – let's say, 35 passes for 500 yards, he's had a pretty big impact on this offense.
1: Dale Lawley, the veteran Steelers beat writer for DKPittsburghSports.com, is my guest. Dale, is there any way they're going to bring in another inside linebacker? And I put in giant parentheses here, Lawrence Timmons, although I know Navarro Bowman is still out there. Is there any chance that they could still bring in one more, even if it's just for depth purposes?
2: I don't see it happening at this point, day on, unless they have an injury. Um, you know, they pretty much have made it obvious that they think Lawrence Timmons is done. Um, he did not have a great year in Miami He last did not. Year, not, that that, not that that was a surprise for anybody. Um, you know, Lawrence was a, was a guy who understood the system here, uh, knew what he was doing in this system and, and therefore looked better here than he did last year. And I think last year showed that some of his, uh, speed and explosiveness weren't quite what they they used to be. I mean, he used to be
3: oh yeah, just lightning quick, <laughs> right,
2: lightning quick yeah, uh, and and strong and powerful and, and explosive. Um, you know, so they're going to go. I think with what they have, and you know, if they get into this situation, you know, injuries change everything. Um, and the fact that, you know, Navarro Bowman is still out there and nobody has signed him.
1: Yeah, there's something and, going on there. Yeah, right? it tells yeah. you that
2: either maybe he doesn't want to play football anymore. If you can remember, he he forced his way out of San Francisco last yep. season and went across the Bay to Oakland. Mm-hmm. And actually played pretty well for the Raiders, but he, he hasn't gotten any kind of interest in the offseason. Another guy that I like is Gerald Hodges, and he's another Penn State guy. Uh, but he's, again, you know, kind of a – John Bostic, he's not quite. A
1: yeah, I was, was going to say, are you are you yeah. upgrading or are you even adding significant depth? In? I, right. it, it, and
2: that's the, that's the thing. Oh. John Bostic, I think, is going to surprise some. People. See,
1: that's that's actually you're stealing my next question here because all through OTAs and minicamp, you and I saw that Tyler Matikavich was getting all the starting reps. Tyler, uh, I, I spoke with him after one of those sessions, and and he you basically blurted out he's ready for this opportunity he's not presuming it obviously the kid is like unbelievably humble and modest uh, but i don't know you know i mean i i feel like i'm unfairly judging him knowing that he had the major shoulder injury that he tried to play through but i i still i would rather see some kind of actual competition there can bostick still beat him out
2: oh it's going to be a competition there's no doubt about it um and i think it's just going to play, you know they're going to let it play itself out But they have enough respect for Tyler Matikavich that they weren't going to just hand John Bostick the starting job. He had to come in and show that he's he has to come in and and prove that he is a better he's the better option. Uh, And honestly, I don't know how much you're going to see two inside linebackers on the field at the same time. Well,
1: that's actually the the probably the bigger point here, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're going to see it some. Obviously, you know when you're when you're playing Jacksonville, you're going to need to have two inside linebackers on the field. You're going to have to stop the run. But, you know, they play their their nickel and dime defenses 75% of the time. Right. You only have one inside linebacker on the field in those kind of situations. So, you know, it, it's going to be the safeties. It's going to be, uh, you know, we'll see if it's Morgan Burnett. We'll see if it's Terrell Edmonds. We'll see if it's Sean Davis. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of different candidates there. Um, but Bostick, to me, is their best option as a coverage linebacker he actually is very fluid in space drops his hips well and does all those things that that i'm sure that your listeners are listening going right now i don't want to be bored with this with this scout talk.
1: <laughs> they want to but, talk about ab's facebook yeah. live video
2: <laughs> yeah that, exactly but you know it just he he is he is much more fluid i mean you're talking about a guy who was a second round pick in the draft uh, he has better pedigree, a higher pedigree, than any of the other inside linebackers on their roster.
1: Right, that makes sense. Well, that's going to be the number one thing that I'm looking for here. You can look for Dale Lawley's coverage of the Steelers 365 days a year on DKPittsburghSports.com. Thanks for being with us, Dale. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem, Dan. And thanks also to Lance Lysowski, our baseball guy, for getting in touch with us from Cincinnati. And thank you for pulling this off because we did it. Other than those two segments, the guest segments, we went for basically three hours of solid hockey talk in late July. I don't know if there's like a trophy